Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Russell Wager is the VP of Marketing at Kia America, where he oversees all of the company's marketing and communications, including the marketing operations, customer journey, and public relations areas. Russell joined Kia in July 2019 after previous positions at Mazda, DDB, and TWA Chiat Day, among others. In this conversation with Lippy Taylor CEO Paul Dyer, Russell gets into Kia's very successful transition into electric vehicles, balancing features and benefits with statements of purpose, as well as details about Kia's EV6 GT's drift mode. Really, really cool stuff there. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Kia's VP of Marketing, Russell Wager. Russell, thank you for joining us. It's nice to be speaking with you today. Thank you very much for having me here, Paul. I look forward to a, a great discussion. As do I. And I thought we would start out um, with something that might be a little bit geeky for our um, our gearheads out there. Is So Kia has very recently launched a car that comes with drift mode. Um, can you tell us what that is and um, why um, why you need it on a car? Well, uh, you're talking specifically about our new EV6 GT uh, that we just recently revealed um, up in Pebble Beach at the Quail uh, in Monterey. Um, It is our electrified supercar, 576 horsepower, um, zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds, top speed over 160 miles an hour. And then, well, of course, if you have those things, one of these days you're going to want to put it and drift, right? You're going to want to take that and go to the, the drifts uh, competition out there. So we, we offered that. It's, it's basically uh, a button from a performance element that gets the shocks and the uh, engine to be able to allow the car to do a little extra sporting uh, moves, but at the same time keeps it in, in a safe uh, environment at the end of the day. So most people will probably never use drift mode. Uh, I think a lot of people will use the zero to 60 just to see how fast they can get that car going. Um, we actually did a little test uh, against a Lamborghini and a Ferrari, and we beat it in the zero to 60 <laughs> drag race. Wow. So now wait, let me ask, was that like an engineering-led exercise or was that a marketing-led exercise? Um, that was actually us going to a third party to verify how fast the car was. So we had zero to 60 times we know that we could do. Um, We didn't uh, know exactly what the Ferrari and the Lamborghini could do, but we thought we might be able to challenge them. And sure enough, we beat them. That's great. And obviously getting that that third party credentialing is something we talk a lot about here. So let me um, me ask on the drift mode thing, because you you said most people, right, will probably never use it. is that something that was designed for a specific cohort, right? Like a, an, a, an audience that you know actually really wants that? Or was it something that was really meant to be more of a halo you know, effect for the whole vehicle? When you're designing and engineering a performance car, a supercar, you, you want it to be able to do as many things as an auto enthusiast would, 
would want it to do, right? They're, they're going to pay more for it. Um, you know, who needs 576 horsepower on their daily commute? Not many people. Uh, we offer um, another non-GT version that's a little bit more than 300 horsepower. That's probably enough. Um, so as long as you're going to go start engineering your car to be able to handle um, top speeds of 160 miles an hour, handle that type of acceleration, um, with a little extra R&D, you, you give that extra feature to somebody. So now it's like, not only can I go fast, not only do I have a low coefficient of drag because it's aerodynamic, hey, this thing can also, if I want to put it in drift mode, I can. Um, it's, it's just a nice to have. I, 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 we compare it to um, like when you're buying an SUV, most people are not taking their SUV off-road or over rocks or going someplace, right? 95% of the people that have an SUV have never done that but they might want to, and it's there if you need to. <laughs> I've always wondered why Range Rover, you know, puts their vehicles in a desert in their commercials. But so, so you're, you, you know, you're talking about this going that, um, that extra mile, right? And um, it feels very much like it fits with make more good, right? Make more good is Kia's new slogan uh, over kind of governs, you know, all your marketing. Um, and you've commented, well, it's not really just a slogan. It's a driving force. Now, can you talk about like, what's the difference and what does that mean? Sure. So, um, so the make more good is actually something that we started a couple of years ago under our overarching accelerate the good. And, and it's about um, giving back in our local communities. We've got 750 dealers in the U.S. alone in all of their local communities. And every single one of them does good in their communities they just don't get the credit for it. So we've been trying to, in any communication we do for any launch, um, wrap it up into a bigger uh, communication so that people see that they have been helping the homeless. They have been helping um, pets find homes. They, they have been helping um, you know, the St. Jude's charities. They, there is different um, givebacks that they do all across the country. And, and we want consumers to know that Kia cares and Kia cares in their local markets. So, so that's the overarching reason for it. Um, it's not something new. They, our dealers and us have been doing that for uh, many years. Um, we're just trying to let people know if you are looking for a brand to be a part of um, that cares about your community, that cares about giving back, we're one of those that you should put on the list. Well, and, and it's interesting because you mentioned, um, you know, and you talk about giving back locally there. And you guys also, you have RoboDog, um, which is, of course, both a brand icon, but also connected to, um, sh you know, adopting shelter dogs, a program around adopting pets, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about, first of all, for people who don't know what that is, or maybe aren't familiar with RoboDog, can you introduce them to RoboDog? And then, um you know, there, there can be some challenges with, with mascots, right? Um, so how has that, that worked for you? So let's start with um, RoboDog was um, debuted on the Super Bowl um, this past February. It helped launch um, our EV6, um, not the GT, our normal EV6. And, and the idea was to try to figure out uh, a way of letting people instantly know that it was an electric vehicle. Because when you look at the car, you don't know it's an electric vehicle. Um, so how do you do that? And, and then how do you also um, make the EV6 the hero at the end of the day? You, you want people to think, hey, if that car can do that, I, I want to be part of that. So it was a story of a uh, robotic dog in a toy store 
Um, he saw the EV6 out front of his store window and he wanted to go with that EV6 and that driver and he starts chasing him all over town. And just as he's about to catch up to him, he runs out of juice. And then you quickly cut and you see that the driver has plugged in to our, uh, what we call vehicle onboard battery charger and, and charged up the robo dog. The robo dog comes back to life. So that, and then next thing you know, he's in the uh, front passenger seat with his head out the window, dog uh, uh, tongue hanging out and they go off um, and have a happy life. The, the point of that was that he found his forever home. And that's when we went and partnered with Pet Finders. Uh, PetFinders.com does ex the exact same thing. They are trying to find forever homes, whether it's for dogs, whether it's for cats, whether it's for any animal um, that needs a permanent home. Um, so it was a natural tie-in once again that robo dog allowed us to do good in local communities um, for dogs that need help. And it's also, it's a great example of emotional storytelling in the advertising. Um, just something that you guys seem to be, you, um, I guess, in what I've witnessed, you, you err on the side of emotion, even though, of course, we all heard you rattling off the specs of the, the, you know, GT earlier. But um, when you think about sort of the features and specs and, needing to communicate some of the, the reason to believe in the car versus making that emotional connection and the dog powering down, getting saved and finding his forever home. How do you think about balancing those things um, for, you know, for a car brand? Yeah. So, so um, it, a really good example of, of how we do it across our channels, um, our recent Sportage launch, we, we launched the Sportage back in, in April um, and we, we created an emotional spot of, the, our new X-Pro has, you know, higher ground clearance, bigger tires, you know, it, it can go off-road if you want. So again, that dream part. Um, but it's like, we're not going to rattle off all of those specs and features in a TV commercial. You know, we, we want people to know it's capable. So, so you tell a story. And, and the story we told there was, once again, somebody hooks up a rake to the back of, uh, of the Sportage, goes out to, the, to a, a local beach and cleans it up. Well, why is he cleaning up? Well, he's doing good, you know, making it so that the, the beach isn't uh, dirty and all that trash that either washes up or gets left there. Um, but then you see the scene of turtles coming up to do their nesting on the beach and lay their eggs. And basically, once again, the sportage helped those that can't help themselves as much continue their life and continue to allow their uh, turtles to hatch. And, and the sportage driver is just watching um, from the sand dune as this happens. Um, no features in it. The features that I keep rattling off about different things, um, we'll put that in our website. We'll put that in some of our digital elements. Um, but to your point, you got to get emotional connection in the automobile world. Otherwise, you won't stand out. I mean, I, I, I love saying 576 horsepower. There are still other vehicles that are more than 576 horsepower. So, so you never win the up one spec up so to speak but if you make it so it's like well that's the nice to have and i like the way it looks and i like what the brand stands for that's what we try well and, and in terms of what the brand stands for we've talked about several different like uh you know shots on goal if you will the brand purpose and giving back um and well, everybody's of course aware of the importance of these things in the automotive category even it does feel like 
you maybe are, are a step farther in terms of the level of commitment you have to giving back and the charities you get involved with and things like that. So my question is, is that a, a byproduct of your demographic in terms of, you know, the consumers that you're really um, you know, trying to reach? Or is it more about just sort of the, you know, the ethos of the company? So it's a big, um, um, it comes out of our global vision of sustainable mobility solutions. That's a, that's a big set of three words. And, and what it means is, um, first, you know, one of the pillars is electrification. We're, we're trying to offer customers the options for electrification. Um, you know, in the, in the U.S., it is still only about 5% of people are buying EVs, right? Um, but that's up from 1.5% a year ago. So that's a pretty big jump just in a short period of time. Obviously, gas prices have helped that a little bit. But, but I also think it's that um, not only us, but other um, OEMs are bringing great looking EVs. Whereas before, an EV was kind of a funky looking vehicle and maybe didn't have enough range. Um, you know, the EV6 has over 300 miles range. It looks good. It performs. Um, so now all of a sudden people are like, okay, I don't have to do too many sacrifices to get an EV. So that's, that's one part of our uh, sustainable solutions is the electrification. We're offering people choices of EVs. Um, if you don't want to go full EV, we have a plug-in hybrid that has a... Um, a gas engine, or if you just want a hybrid and you don't have to have worry about plugging anything. So we're giving them solutions from that standpoint. The, the second part of it is um, we're using materials um, that we're recycling. So we are literally, um, we have partnered with Ocean Cleanup to take PET bottles out of the ocean. We gather those up and we use them to make seats in our EV6, the seat covers in our EV6. We have taken eucalyptus leaves and we will use those to make headliners in our vehicles. So that's what sustainability is about, right? Um, so it's more than just saying the words, it's backing it up with the R&D, the products and the communications. So I had to ask again, because this is, this is great. And there's a lot of people listening that are probably thinking, I want my company to do that, but I don't know, like, kind of like what levers to pull to get us there. Is this something where marketing is leading the way and saying we should be cleaning up ocean plastic and repurposing it into the into the product, or is this something where R and D and engineering are like, hey, we've come up with a way of doing this? Like, where does this originate, and how, if in particular, if you're in a marketing role and you want to get your company like in this place, how do you do it? So let, let's start with, um, for, for the Kia company, it, it's on both sides. So R&D is trying to figure out how to deliver um, from that side and marketing is trying to figure from that side. I, I will tell you that from the marketing side, um, we are constantly asking for proof points, right? So it's one thing you set a strategy, a corporate strategy, and then always from a marketer, you're like, okay, how do I tell authentic stories about that vision? And, you know, we, we have a couple and we're still pushing. It's like, we need more. So yes, we push for more. Um, some people will go, look, we, we, we partner with ocean uh, cleanup. We've got, we're using the PET bells. That, that's good enough. It's like, no, that's one proof point. You got to have multiple. Oh, okay. Well, a um, little, little further on down, we're going to do with the eucalyptus leaves and have it the headliner. Okay. That's two proof points. So we keep asking for more. And, and in the meantime, we create some of our own, right? So 
Pet finders is not something that R&D does, <laughs> right? Um, RoboDog is not something R&D does. That's a marketing thing that helps demonstrate what the R&D team uh, developed in the vehicle. Um, you know, the giving back as far as cleaning up the beach, we made a donation um, to Sea Turtles Inc. down in South Padre, Florida. Uh, I'm sorry, South Padre, Texas. And we made a customized sportage that will help take the eggs that have been laid care for them, bring them back when they're ready to hatch so that more sea turtles have a chance of, of surviving. That's not an R&D thing. That's again, a marketing thing. So again, it, it happens on both sides. Um, my advice is you just got to push. Um, if it's important to the company and marketing makes it a point to, to show why it is important, then people get on board. That's great. And and obviously, you've got the data, you know, that says your consumers want this. If we want to sell them more cars, they want to see, you know, that, that we're a company that cares, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, when when a company um, cares about something that a consumer cares about, their, their chance of putting themselves on your consideration list more than doubles. I mean, it's more than 50% um, an increase that they didn't even think about you. And then all of a sudden hey, you care about this charity, so do I, let me put you on, you know, it doesn't mean that they're ultimately going to buy, at least they put you on the list. That's that's the first thing marketing is supposed to do, right? Get somebody to consider the brand. So totally agree. And you are, you're operating in this really interesting category with electric vehicles in particular, where every OEM, to your point, is now electrifying, right? And in their own ways and whatever. And yet, you've got this outsized personality in, in Tesla and in Elon Musk that seems to kind of chew up more of the headlines, um, you know, than, than the rest of the OEM. So, you know, what, it, how do you navigate that in terms of carving out the place for your brands and getting the credit and recognition you deserve? So um, Tesla is a, a great car company. They have a 10-year head start on us in electrification. Um, they, that's all they do, which is great. They focus, they knew where they wanted to go. Um, and they, they knew it before consumers knew it, right? Um, we still offer tons of uh, gas engine cars for the other 95%. Um, but at the same time, we are now telling people, yes, when you're considering a Tesla, you should also consider us if you're looking for a car in this segment, if you're looking for an SUV in this segment. Um, and, and I think we've told a really good story of what some people's obstacles to getting into the electrified space are. The first thing they're concerned about, I'm gonna run out of juice in the middle of nowhere and I'm gonna be stranded, right? So, well, 300 mile range, um, the average person drives 50 miles a day. So unless they're going on a road trip, and yes, road trips in EVs are not as easy because you have to plot out where you're gonna stop along the way to charge. There's tons of places to do it. It just requires a little bit of work. Um, but for normal driving to work, driving back from work, driving around town on the weekend, whatever, EVs are perfect. So that's the first thing you have to communicate, uh, of which we've done. And you give them a little bit of a car that looks, whether it was an EV or not, it looks great. Okay, now I'm going to consider you. Um, and I think we've done such a good job that EV6 went on sale in February. And in the first six months of it being on sale, Kia has now risen to being 
the number two selling EV um, OEM in the country, only behind Tesla. So, so you hear you hear General Motors, you hear Ford, you hear all the other OEMs. Everyone's talking about it, right? Um, but they hadn't done it yet. It's a lot of talk. We we did it. Now that's going to change very quickly because Ford just came out with their. Um, F-150 Lightning truck. So they're going to have another model, which will give them more volume of production, which is great. We want people to experience electrified vehicles, ideally with us. But if we don't offer it in the segment, then with somebody else, because it does help the environment. It is a great option. Um, And I think once people get in and experience an EV, they're like, oh, my God, I had no idea. I think you're right. It's funny, even you know, if you if for people who have switched from gas um, engine golf carts to electric golf carts and then try to go back, it's a terrible experience. It's like, why did we ever put up with this? <laughs> what? So, sorry. Let's shift gears a little bit. So, you guys, um, you know, in addition to being leaders in brand purpose and in electrification of vehicles, you've also led out in NFTs, uh, both in giving back, um, you know, the Pet Finder partnership, but then also um, with if, if I'm getting this right, you have the Dead Army Skeleton Club NFTs as well. Um, you have to <laughs> tell people what that is. Um, and then, like, can you talk just a little bit about your approach to NFTs? What's the strategy there? Is this like is this just a test and learn, or is this something you're you're all in on NFTs? Like, what, where are you at with NFTs? So our first foray into NFTs was back with that Robo Dog spot in the Super Bowl, and we wanted again to find a way to if we were going to do it. Can, as opposed to just getting a brand benefit only for it and as an extension, is there there's something again we can give back? Um, so we created the Robo Dog is obviously not a real dog. It's CGI, right? Um, so people, we, we couldn't make those things and sell them, or could we? We went and created NFTs of the Robo Dog. We created six of them. One was the gold one, one was a, a black one, one was a, a silver one. It was like we made six different one of a kinds and we put them up for an auction. And, and they raised over $25,000 that we donated to, wow. um, donated to pet finders. And then on top of that, we created another 10,000 of them that each of them is unique that you could buy for $20.22 the year 2022, right? Um, And we made another $70,000 that we could donate to pet finders. So here is people buying, willing to buy a piece of the brand, right? And, and it exists on your phone. And it just that that's the ultimate engagement that you want, right? Somebody that's carrying around something in their pocket every single day, and we'll go look what I got at the end of the day, um, and willing to pay for it, And at the same time, they get to feel good because they're helping somebody. So that was our first foray into it. We felt it did really well for the brand. It gave a lot of interaction, a lot of engagement, a lot of awareness uh, of it. And and like I said, customers felt good. So this past July, we launched our new redesigned Soul vehicle. And we found another NFT and you, you gave the full thing. We call them DASK. Abbreviation, DASK, DASK NFTs, skeletons. Um, and we did the same thing. We, we created 10,000 of them that people uh, could, this one, this one we just wanted to let people engage with. We, we weren't trying to do another charity thing yet. We just wanted to 
let's see how people engage if there's not a, you have to buy it type thing. Um, so the spot broke on a Friday. We told everyone through a social post that you, you're going to be able to get that on a Friday. Um, all 10,000 were gone by Saturday morning. Everybody wow. went and got one. They, they all, again, 10,000 people engaged with our brand one in 24 hours after the spot broke. So it, it, the NFTs for the future, we're still figuring it out. Um, but we've got two good examples of how they're great for brand interactions um, and engagement. I mean, it's remarkable. I mean, you think about in the past, people would, would pay for these collectibles of athletes, sports teams, entertainment properties like X-Men and things like that. I mean, these people are clearly super fans. Um, so do you have a way of remarketing to them or once this has happened, it's now blockchained away from you and we have no idea who they were that bought them? No, we, we absolutely, um, in order for them to get it, they have to give us their, their email address and, and we, and, and we're polite about it. It was like, Hey, we'll send them a note. If you don't want to hear from us, let us know. And, and, and we won't after that. But generally speaking, they, they bought a piece of the brand or they obtained a piece of the brand and they, as long as you're sending them um, communications that's relevant to them, they, they're staying engaged with us, right? Mm -hmm. So I got to say, I mean, we've talked about things here that are pretty wide ranging, right? And we think about just the marketing tactics from emotional storytelling, you know, storytelling in television ads through NFTs. You would, you would classify some of these as more traditional, more modern, you know, et cetera. But it's a pretty wide range no matter how you look at it. So how do you go about assessing What's a good idea? When when do you know this is what we should do? You know, I think um, the the best advice I would give is you, you got to be authentic to the brand. It, it if the brand doesn't belong in a space, you shouldn't be there. Even if you can reach five million people or fifty million people, it's like the consumers see that you stick out. Um, so you know, take cinema advertising for for a second. Um, you know, we, we do cinema advertising. We do not do any sort of sales event or deal advertising in cinemas. People are not going to give two hours of their time to sit in a theater to hear you sell to them. They're there to hear stories, right? So when you do a communication in a theater, that's a story. They're like, oh, thank you. You're, you're helping me. You're helping me relax, get away from everything. So when we played the robo dog in the cinema, I watched it. We had research. People loved it. It's like, hey, I love that story. That's a great story, right? Um, so the, the key is definitely trying to find things that the brand belongs in and then create the content that is going to resonate with the audience in that channel. And that's how that's our filter. It's, it's, it's really is that simple. Well, and, and if I was just to restate what you just said, it's putting yourself in their shoes, right? Is what you literally did. You sat in the theater and you put yourself in their shoes. And I think that's great advice, you know, for anybody listening. So um, I realize that we're at um, our time here, Russell. I just want to say thank you. Um, you. You pulled back the curtain on a lot of different things. And it really was great to hear about all, all these experiences. So thank you. Well, Paul, I appreciate that. I hope your audience uh, learned something uh, from the conversation. And uh, I appreciate it. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure, talk again soon. Looking forward to it, Russell. Take care. 
All right. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and colleagues on LinkedIn? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Lippy Taylor. That's L-I-P-P-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And to learn more about us and our agency, visit us at LippyTaylor.com. Thanks again for listening to Frictionless Marketing. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best-selling book, Friction Fatigue, What the Failure of Advertising Means for Future-Focused Brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.